The Writers Guild of America is taking on the Hollywood bosses in a strike that is now entering its third week. Writers are fed up with producers making their work more uncertain, intense, and lower paying, and the strike touches on an issue of existential concern to all workers, artificial intelligence. We need a new system. We need a new society. We need to demand that which may have sounded impossible even a few weeks ago, but is not only realizable, but an imperative necessity. We are very excited to have Professor Richard Wolf join us for a regular weekly segment where we discuss the biggest stories relating to the economy, the state of the working class, and the crimes of big business. I'm Walter Smolarik, filling in for Brian Becker. The Socialist Program brings you content three days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show. Richard Wolf is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work and the author of many books, the latest being The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. You can check out all of his work at rdwolf.com. Well, Professor Wolf, let's start off by just getting the basics down. What is the significance of this writer's strike, the Hollywood writer's strike? What does it mean for the economy? What does it mean for the broader working class? Well, I think it's a very important strike. It's part of a rising tide of labor militancy that's been going on. It's a little different from the Amazon and Starbucks kinds of initiative because it isn't low-paid workers. It isn't people working in the unspeakable conditions of an Amazon warehouse, for example, that are beyond words and beyond the understanding of so many Americans who don't have direct experience through their friends or family of what working in these places is like. These are educated people. These are trained people. These are professional writers. That's why it's called the Writers Guild of America. And they're up against a group of the largest corporations dominating media in the United States. So it's a real classic battle between workers, in this case, educated, professional workers, and the bosses. And that's really what it's about. Don't be confused, folks, by the references to artificial intelligence or streaming. The uh, media industry is always going through technological change. Artificial intelligence is the latest catchword phrase for these things. But it's not new. There's always been change Before radio, media were different than they were after radio. Same thing for when television arrived. Same thing when social media arrived, and so on. And always the issue has been the same. And that's what I want to stress. The issue is this. Will new technologies, wherever they come from, will they be used to make the product cheaper for the rest of us to buy? Will they be used to make the product better than it could have been before the new technology? Or 
will it be used to increase the profits of what are already highly profitable capitalist enterprises? And I'm afraid everyone knows what the answer is. Technologies are implemented or not by the decision of the capitalist, that tiny group of people, the board of directors, in this case of the Alliance of Motion Picture and TV Producers, these are huge companies, and in those huge companies, a tiny group of people, the major shareholders and the boards of directors elected by those shareholders, they make the decision. And they're not interested in applying a technology because it's new. They're not interested in applying a technology because they're into science or technical advance. They always ask one question. Is the new technology a means to improve the profitability of this business? If it is, they adopt it. They implement it. They institute it. And if it isn't, they don't. Here's what they don't care about. What the impact is on the quality of what they produce, on the creative conditions for the workers who actually do the work, in this case, the writers who produce the script for the TV show, who produce the script for the movie, who refine it, who fix it, who polish it. No, 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 no. If they can screw those people while making a profit off the new technology, that's what they do. And this is not going to be solved by appealing to the producers to be good guys. This is not about good, bad, greedy, not greedy. It's about the way a system works. What the producers discovered was that streaming and artificial intelligence and some of the other things that have come down the pike can allow them to make more money. And in the process, they can do it by squeezing the workers even more than they did before, which made the technology attractive to them. They figured that the profit of the technology and what they could squeeze out of their workers using it would make the whole enterprise profitable. And so that's what they want to do. And the problem is only that the workers weren't being donkeys. The workers weren't being stupid. The workers understood exactly what was being pulled on them. And they said, no, we're not against the new technology. Fine. But it can't be implemented and instituted to make you guys who are already profitable more profitable at the expense of the incomes we depend on, the creative conditions we need to do good work, to produce good movies, to produce good TV shows. It's a classic example of how decisions in a capitalist system are profit-focused at the expense of what the majority of people, the workers, have as a life, as a job, as an income. It shouldn't be allowed. It's much more important that new technology enhance the lives of the mass of people, of the working class, because we're the majority. It is not appropriate to sacrifice the interests of the majority to make more profits for the minority. Let's remember, 10% of Americans, the richest 10%, 
own 80% of the stocks and bonds. That 10% owns all these producers that are going to be making more profits. So you're using technology to enhance the wealth of the already richest 10% at the expense of the other 90% of us who do the work. That's the issue. And that's what these workers are fighting for. Far beyond the particulars of their industry and of their situation, they are fighting a fight that everybody else either is already or will soon be fighting as artificial intelligence changes the conditions of many, many, many jobs in our society, particularly educated people's jobs, professional jobs. And so this is a very important strike. Yeah, Professor Wolf, I'm, I'm glad you went into both angles here. I mean, essentially standard in this situation that we could expect from, you know, any type of struggle between workers and bosses and also, you know, the, the particularities affecting the writing industry, the entertainment industry, the writing profession, I should say. Let's zero in on one of those, you know, essentially common aspects here, something that most or all workers can relate to. You know, you see the rise of these mini rooms with the rise of streaming. You see the rise of these, you know, so-called mini rooms, which are writers rooms that are much, much smaller than normal. They write a few episodes of a TV show or a pilot or, you know, the outline of a season. And then, you know, that may or may not get picked up. And as a result, the workers have to work very, very hard. And it's very precarious because the show may not be picked up for a full run that they would then have steadier employment with. I mean, essentially what the motion picture studios with the TV studios are doing here is is speeding up the line, right? They're asking the same number of workers to do more work, or they're asking a smaller number of workers to do the same amount of work and paying the same or less. I mean, this is a tried and true tactic of the capitalist class across industries, isn't it? Absolutely. That's why I keep saying it's nothing new here. The technology may be new. We may not have had a phrase like mini room before, but these are the details of a very old and endlessly repeated story. Look, everything in a capitalist system, everything is grist for the same mill. If you go to a master of business administration program here in the United States, and I have taught in those, you teach aspiring entrepreneurs and corporate executives, how to evaluate anything that comes down the pike in terms of its impact on profits. There's no course that worries you about the impact on the creativity of your workers. If you think about it at all, it's an afterthought. The issue is profits. You choose a technology based on what you think will get you the most profits. If a technology allows you to speed up the production process, you'll do that. That's how we invented things like the assembly line. Way back a century ago, Henry Ford figured out that he could automate, he could make an assembly line literally move across the floor, and then he adjusted people's lives to that assembly line. That's why people felt like they were adjuncts of a machine. The machine wasn't serving them. They were serving the machine. And that's what the producers are doing now, telling the writers, we're going to put you in whatever 
condition we can make the most money out of. Because that's why we're using the new technology, because it can allow us to redesign your work situation. With your creativity in mind, don't be silly. We're not geared to your creativity. We're geared to our profits. We'd like you to be creative, but if you don't, we'll hire somebody else and we'll use artificial intelligence to beef up whatever they do. And by the way, they often make terrible mistakes and they will sacrifice many times creativity only to discover later that if you don't have creativity, the end product of what you produce is like last week's oatmeal. But by then, the damage is done. The careers have been destroyed. The investments have been wasted. This is the history of capitalism over and over and over again. The one thing that doesn't change is this endless system in which a tiny group of profiteers control the big decisions. The rest of us live with them unless we fight back. And that's what the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, that's what they're doing. And in my view, they're heroes because they are fighting a fight that others either have been, are now, or will soon be engaged in. And if enough of the working class pushes back, then the capitalists will understand they can't proceed in business as usual. They can't just pick up a new technology, damage all kinds of things to make a short-term profit. That won't be allowed. And when that happens, then real changes can happen. Then workers can make sure their needs are addressed. Their interests are served by how, when, and where you implement a new technology. Literally, as we are dealing with this topic, Sam Altman is testifying before the Senate Judiciary Committee. And in his testimony, he says, we have to regulate artificial intelligence because otherwise it is going to do harm to our society. Now, Sam Altman is talking in general terms, but what the Workers Guild of America is doing is talking in very concrete terms. It is showing how artificial intelligence is being used by profiteers to make more profit in ways that harm the quality of our films and TV programs, the creative conditions of the people whose genius is to produce the ideas, the scripts, the drama. This is a terrible harm being done. By the way, capitalism institutes a technology. That's the issue. And that's what these writers, by striking, are bringing up for the American people to think about. Well, Professor Wolf, one last question. You know, the movie industry, Hollywood, is very important to U.S. capitalism, both because it's the source of, of many tens of billions of dollars in profit, but also because it's a source of prestige, of cultural and, and indeed political influence all around the world. I mean, Hollywood dominates the international movie industry, the, the entertainment industry. Tell us, Professor Wolf, about the, the strategic significance of workers in the entertainment industry. Well, I think what we're going to see, and I don't believe anybody can control this, is that the changing position of the United States in the world economy, the decline of the American hegemony, as it was called, the dominance of the United States, 
which came out of World War II. It's now descending fast. The empire is in decline. Everybody in the world knows it. Even Americans understand it now, even if they don't like it, if they shy away from confronting what it means. And to see the Hollywood industry, which had a great deal to do with giving the cultural side of that dominance by having American notions of beauty, American notions of drama, American notions of how America itself works, pervade all over the world by our TV shows and our movies. I think we're going to see, and nobody can stop this, that the conflict between capital and labor, which has now come right into the middle of the Hollywood situation in a dramatic way, it's going to show up. The rest of the world is going to pick up the hints in the TV shows and the films of writers who now have a much clearer idea of the conflict at the heart of the entertainment industry. Who's ripping who off? What are the costs? What are the hidden costs and the visible ones of organizing an industry in this way in which a tiny group of major shareholders and directors at the top call all the shots, disrespect the creative brilliance of the people they count on to write what they produce. This is going to show up. It's going to play its role, too, in changing global confidence in and understanding of the United States as it declines from the position it held after World War II. And I don't think we've begun to see all the ways in which this will become manifest. All the other social issues of the United States have found their way into the TV and the movie industry. The new militants of our labor working class showing up now with the writers too, they will make sure it comes into the cultural products so that this strike will have long-term ramifications and implications that are just as important as the immediate issues that they're struggling over. We're going to have to leave it right there. We were joined by Professor Richard Wolf. He's the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work. He's the author of many books. The latest is The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. Check out all of his work at rdwolf.com. You've been listening to The Socialist Program. We bring you content three days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We appreciate all of your support I encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show. You've been listening to The Socialist Program with Brian Becker, where we bring you news and views about the world for those who want to change it. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And watch video episodes of our in-depth show, The Real Story, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube with our partner, Breakthrough News. We can only continue our work bringing you high-quality news, analysis, and history with the support of our listeners. Connect with us and become a patron at patreon.com slash the socialist program and receive an invitation to participate in an exclusive monthly seminar with Brian Becker. Thank you.